That was good. Amen. Psalm 134. Psalm 134. I think you'll find it interesting what we're about to read after just singing that song. Psalm 134. A song for pilgrims ascending to Jerusalem. Let's read this together, verses 1 through 3. Oh, praise the Lord, all you servants of the Lord, you who serve at night in the house of the Lord. Verse 2. Lift up holy hands in prayer and praise the Lord. May the Lord who made heaven and earth Bless you from Jerusalem. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you so much for how you put this service together. Thank you, Lord, for the people that are here. And we pray, Lord, for those that need to be here, but they're not. We pray, oh God, that you would help us all to recognize our need for you. Lord, today I pray that you'd speak to our hearts, speak to your church, help us to be the church that you've got in mind. Lord, you are worthy of praise. Worthy of our gratitude, worthy of our adoration. Lord, just get us where we need to go. Put us where we need to be. And help us to honor you and serve you with our life. And teach us today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. When I was a kid, my my family took uh, family vacations. And uh, we would get in the car, and it's not like it is today. We would get in the truck or the car. You know, the truth is, I can remember going to Nashville one time. In a, in a short bed truck and sitting in the floorboard. <laughs> My mom and dad are here today, and that was unsafe, all right? <laughs> We're fine, we made it, right? We're fine, we made it. I remember going on family vacation, it would be my mom and my dad and my sister and me, and, and we would be going from A to B, and again, it's not like it is today, like there were no TVs in the headrest, and no tablets, right, you are tracking... We didn't have any of those things. We had like a, a notebook. <laughs> and so you bring a notebook, and the fun of a notebook lasts for like five minutes. And, uh, and after the, the notebook fun is over with and you've drawn everything that you can draw, uh, then something's got to give. And my mom, my dad would always drive, and my mom would, would recognize the restlessness of my sister and me. And so she, we began to play car games, right? Not card games, but car games. And the things, hopefully you, you play those car games now with your family, things that are on the billboard, or, all right, we got to see the next five things in the next five minutes. And, you know, the, I'm on my way to the beach, and I'm going to take, and it starts with an A, and then a B, and you keep doing these things. Well, if you're traveling from, like, Alabama to Birmingham, you can fill up some time quick. But if you're going on a family vacation that's five or six, seven, eight hours, you got to come up with something different. And I remember on the way, I'll, I'll never, we, 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 we do this now, I remember on the way, my sister and I would recognize that the games are coming to an end. Even the most fun ones we had were beginning to be boring, and we knew what was coming next. My mother would turn around to all, all three of us, and she'd say, Let's sing. Let's, and she, she does her hands like this. She goes, Let's sing. Let's sing. And, and my sister and I would sing. We'd roll our eyes, but there we would become the GMC family quartet on the way from, from point A to point B, and we would sing. We would sing on the way from wherever we were going to our destination. And now, you know, I'll bring that up, and now my children roll their eyes, and, and we're going to sing, let's pass the time. Well, when you turn to Psalm 134, what you have in Psalm 134 is a song of ascent. 
A song of ascent. In, in fact, Psalm 120 through 136 are songs of ascent. And they're called this because they were written for the Jewish people, the nation of Israel, to sing on their way on a road trip to Jerusalem. That's really why these were written. They were written so they would sing these together on the way to keep focus of why they were making that move. Our God had a great purpose in mind for them as they made their way from their homes to Jerusalem three different times out of the year. There were three different festivals that God had them to come to in Jerusalem. Every male, as we'll read here in just a second, every man at least was to make their way to Jerusalem three different times a year, basically for the purpose of remembering, of not forgetting. God does not want us to forget what he's doing. He doesn't want us to forget what he's done in our life. As we just sung a song about how he's made a way when there was no way. If God has made a way when there was no way for you, he doesn't want you to forget it. And so he has, he has made this, these festivals for his people to come to Jerusalem. The festival of unleavened bread, the festival of the harvest, the festival of the shelters. In Exodus chapter 23, verses 14 through 16, you're going to find God's word teaching that each of these festivals were organized by the Lord for the purpose of remembering how God had delivered his people out of the evil oppression of Egypt. And he's made them away through the wilderness and to the promised land. And so they are to come singing in their, their mouths and in their voices with an offering to remember what God has done. If you look in Deuteronomy chapter 16, verses 16 through 7, the Bible says, Each year every man in Israel must celebrate these three festivals. The festival of unleavened bread, the festival of the harvest, and the festival of shelters. And on each of these occasions... All men must appear before the Lord your God at the place he chooses. But they must not appear before the Lord without a gift for him. And all must give as they are able, according to the blessings given to them by the Lord your God. Now, it should be noted that these three festivals were not the only time they attended. These three festivals were to be done or observed in addition to the regular Sabbath days. Leviticus 23, 38 would tell us that. They were to attend these three festivals over and above in addition. And in addition, they were to give offerings at these three festivals over and above the offerings they were already to give. This is a good place for us to stop and say today, for we who are Christians, the opportunity to give should not offend us. I'm going to say it to this side now too. The opportunity to give for those who are believers in God's church should not offend us because our money's not our money, it's daddy's money. That's how we look at it. God is a stewardship God. Everything that we have belongs to the Lord for us to be good stewards of. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 10, God is the one who provides the seed for the farmer and the bread to eat. What does that mean? It means that, in other words, God has provided the means for us for with which we are to turn a dollar with. And when we turn that dollar, what we get back is his too. It's before and it's after. So I'm going to just make this very plain. If taking up an offering, a next offering, a second offering to support a church plant where we are already seeing people be saved and lives being changed... We are already seeing families become plugged in at church that were not plugged in before. You're hearing the testimonies of our church plants. But if an offering to give towards that which matters to God offends you this morning, let me ask you to keep your money. 
Because we want it to be blessed of God and given with an open hand instead of a clenched fist. The Bible gives us the right to make a decision, each within our own heart, how much to give. And to be generous in understanding with what God has given us to give with. So don't be offended that God would ask you to give what's already His in the first place. You must each decide, the Bible says, in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. Now, we're not even to the text yet. As we are, are still within the introduction, but this is really where the text takes us. Listen to this point. And if you're visiting with us the first, for the first Sunday, come back next Sunday. We're always going to give. We don't talk about giving every single Sunday, but we will talk about giving because it's in here. And this is the point I'd like to make for all of us today. Giving and gathering have always been God's idea. Getting his people together... And, and, and motivating them to give. You know what happens when we give? We stop depending upon ourselves and have to depend upon God. We, this gives us an opportunity to exercise faith. This is why it makes us so uncomfortable. It's because we have to bet on God to do something we can't do ourselves. And we have to place faith in the Lord to take care of us when we give back. Giving and gathering are God's ideas. This is why I believe there's conviction of we need to get back in church. You know, all of us have felt that, right? Even if, even if you don't have some kind of gross sin in your life, but you're a believer and you haven't been to church in a while, that's why this feeling is inside of us that we need to get back. The reason for that is because gathering has always been a part of God's idea. It's always been something that he values. Because we are to come together to remember what he's done for us. We're to come together as a movement of God's organization and do big things so that the world can see flawed people be used in big and bad ways. Because God wants us to remember him, to offer to him, to be reminded of his goodness together. These in the Old Testament are a people who had been saved by movement of God, and from evil opposition of an enemy. Does that sound familiar to you? That God saved us. He saved us from ourselves. He saved us from sin and Satan and the world. God did that for us, and he would just have us remember him for it. That makes sense, doesn't it? So as they're making their way to remember what God has done for them, to these festivals to, to make their offerings and to praise God. God inspires these authors to, to write these songs for them to sing as they go. And this particular song they're singing in Psalm 134 is actually the last of these songs of ascent, and it is written to the servants. Look there in verse 1. Oh, praise the Lord, all you servants of the Lord, you who serve at night in the house of the Lord. These servants were the priests of the temple in Jerusalem. Now that's important for us to remember for the rest of the service today. These servants that God is speaking to, God is speaking of, that the, that the pilgrims really are singing to on their mission, are the priests within the temple. Now for those that are in attendance today, you may not be a preacher here, but you might be a priest. So stay with me. I'm going to cover three things, who we are, what we do, and when we do it. 
If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, if you're following the Lord Jesus Christ, you've been saved, you're trusting in Him, walking with Him, committed to the Lordship of Jesus, you are, according to Scripture, a holy priest. That's what the Bible says. You may not want that title, but you've got to take it, because that's what's assigned to us in the Bible. Priests in the Old Testament were mediators between the people and God. And it was their responsibility to make sure that the temple of God was guarded from defilement. Now think about your responsibility as I tell you how it was in the Old Testament. Their responsibility was to guard from defilement. Their responsibility was to keep the temple prepared for worship, prepared for ministry, and and to take those offerings and to give them unto the Lord. Now, Hebrews teaches us that Jesus became the high priest for all time. The high priest was the only one that was able to go into the presence of God in the Holy of Holies. But Jesus not only, if you read the book of Hebrews, basically the book of Hebrews is teaching us that Jesus is everything. He becomes the high priest who gives of himself and lays himself down. He becomes not the animal sacrifice, but he becomes the sacrifice, the intervention, the mediation needed between us and God the Father. The scripture says in Hebrews 10, 12, but our high priest offered himself to God as a single sacrifice for sins. Single because we don't need another one. It's good for all time. Then he sat down in the place of honor at God's right hand. In the New Testament, we are taught in 1 Peter that we who believe in Jesus, who is the sacrifice for our sins, who is our king and our high priest, We who believe in him have placed our faith in Christ. We now are holy priests of God. That's the teaching of the scripture. So you may not be a preacher and you may not be a missionary or a deacon or another title. But if you have been washed by the blood, you've turned to Christ, you love Jesus, live in Jesus and are glad to know him. You are a holy priest. That's who we are. They say we don't say amen to that much because we don't feel it. We know who we are. And if you know who you are and who God is, and you don't think you measure up, you're in a good place to serve him. Because that's the right place to begin. As a holy priest, let me make this point. If you are a holy priest, as a holy priest, you now are in the business. And your business of life is whatever he says it is. Now that's where we got to get to. We're holy priests. If we are holy priests, our business is whatever he defines. So what do we do? What is our business? According to Psalm 134, we do two things. We offer and we praise. We offer and we praise. This is our business. As holy priests, servants of God, we offer. What do we offer? We offer, according to the Bible, spiritual sacrifices. 1 Peter says in chapter 2, verse 5, the latter part of that verse, What's more, you are holy priests. Through the mediation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. A priest in the Old Testament offered sacrifices. Well, what are those sacrifices that we offer, even according to the New Testament, when it says, through the mediation of Jesus, you offer spiritual sacrifices? So, holy priest, what is it that we give on behalf of God and for the good of others? Well, because Old Testament priests offered to God on behalf of the people... Animal and agricultural offerings, this is what was under the old covenant. And now we begin to think, now that we're not under the old law, but we're still priests of God, what do we offer? 
And as I was going over this in my mind this week and thinking about the Old Testament priest, it was like God opened my eyes and said, you're thinking about the wrong section. Don't think about the sacrifices offered by the priest of the Old Testament. Think about the sacrifice offered by your high priest. And when you, when you do that, it makes it real simple. What are we to offer by way of spiritual sacrifice on behalf of somebody else? Ourselves. Ourselves. Let's make that very plain. You, as a holy priest of God, what is your responsibility under God within his business? Is to give yourself up for the good of someone else. That's the truth of the scripture. And when we do that, the spiritual sacrifices that holy priest today offers for others, again, is themselves, we are in fact following Jesus. And when we stop thinking of the sanctuary on Sunday morning as the place where we served or where we are served, and we start thinking about the church as the place that we serve in, then we will show others, according to the scripture, the goodness of God. See, I, I, don't, I, I don't know why you came today. But most of the time, we come in and we sit down hoping to hear something for us. We become holy priests when we show up for the good of somebody else. That, that's when the light switch flips. What is the term used here in Psalm 134 for priests? Servants. I think it's used in the King James Version or the New Living Translation. The term used here for priests is servants. If you're saved, you are to serve God's church. Period. If you're saved, you're to serve God's church. It's that simple, it's that serious. Now, what I don't want you to do today is I don't want you to ask yourself, well, good, man, I'm on board. Where can I help you in the church? When you bring that word I into it, where can I help, it gives you time to think about what you prefer. So rather than asking the question of what can I do for the church, it's kind of one of those JFK things. Ask not. (laughs) What you can do for your church or what, you, what the church can do for you, but what you can do for your church. Don't ask the question of how can I help you. Ask the question, where does the church need my help? Where does the church need my help? This is a body of believers that God has put together under his redemption. And according to the scripture, as holy priests, we are to offer spiritual sacrifices which are ourselves for the good of people and the glory of God. Now, why I, I preach this often. Why do you preach it with so much conviction? Because we're priests who serve God's church. And if we want to be a church that God has in mind, we've got to be a people that serve one another. Yeah, but you don't, you don't know how much energy we expend during the week, and we're finally here on Sunday. We're doing good just to be here. Well, bless your sweetheart. Goodness, none of us have anything going on. God. Bless you. The deal is, is if you're a holy priest, you better figure it out. Because you've got to take it up with the Lord. This is not something I'm come up with during the week thinking that'll get them. <laughs> All I've got to do is just deliver it. That easy part really falls to me. Because if we are holy priests, we will care about the needs of the body. Holy priests offer spiritual sacrifices. They keep the lamps burning. They keep it open for ministry to the people. And if all the holy priests do the holy work, we're going to be a church that continues to be on fire. But that's not what I prefer. 
That's not what he says. He, he makes it general in terms because we just need to do what we need to do. Stop talking about what you've got going on during the week. Find where a place where you can make it a priority to serve God's church and do it for the glory of God and the good of others. And stop thinking about what you'll get out of it. Now, this would never mean we are to limit our Christianity to in-reach, that we're only looking to minister within. Because just as the Scripture says that we're holy priests, the Bible also says that we are ambassadors of Christ. That God is making His plea through us to the world for the world to come back to God. So we're holy priests and we are ambassadors. So what do we do? We offer ourselves for the good of the church and for the glory of God and to reach the world. We do all those things. You've got to ask yourself, is this your church? Is this the place where you grind at? Is this the place that is your church home? This is your church family? When people come into your home where you live, do you mind serving them? Because if this is our house, then we'll take care of the people that come in. I'm going to make this very simple. If you want to put your yes on the table today, I'm serious as I can be about this. We have needs in the children's ministry the children's ministry, by the way, is, in my opinion, the largest body within this organization of the most people yet to be saved. If that's the case, then we all ought to put our yes on the table for that. And I'll just say it plainly. The King's family, yes, will be on the table for the children's ministry. Not that nobody else's hasn't been or is not now. I want you to know that ours will be. You take care of our children. We're going to help take care of yours. Some of you have maybe graduated out of that stage. That doesn't mean we don't need you. Did you know that God's a stewardship God? Why would God send more young families here if he won't take care of them? See, this is what happens. This is what happens in the small churches, in the rural communities where they've aged out. Senior adults will be saying, we've got to get some more of these young people in here. Well, what happened was, at one time, you stopped taking care of the young people. Did you know the truth is, is that the young people in this church today, according to our children's leadership, the parents of those kids over there are doing a great job taking care and sharing the responsibility. Now we need everybody else so we can ease everybody's pain. If, if you would put your yes on the table for the church in general as a stewardship God, God would see fit to send us more people. So if you want to put your yes on the table today, this is how you do it, serious as I can be. All you've got to do today is, and, and let me preface this with this, some things you need to be bolstered up within your spiritual gift to do, but some things don't take a spiritual gift, guys. Some things takes a spiritual person. That's all. We can get your gifting right in the end. So the reason I say that is because of this. If you get it and you want to help, you're looking to get plugged in today for the glory of God and the good of this church. All you need to do is send an email. He knows about this. All you need to do is send an email to Randy Brown, randy at lindsaylane.org, R-A-N-D-Y at lindsaylane, L-I-N-D-S-A-Y-L-A-N-E dot O-R-G. And all you've got to do in the subject line, say I'm in. That's it. He'll take it from there. His staff will take it from there. He'll respond back to you and say, here's the opportunities we've got available. Need to get your contact information. We'll take it from there. We're holy priests. This is our responsibility. This is our body. This is where we are in, is our church. Now, as servants of the Lord, as holy priests, we offer spiritual sacrifices. Secondly, we praise. 
we praise. Look at the scripture. Oh, praise the Lord, all you servants of the Lord. You who serve at night in the house of the Lord, lift up holy hands in prayer and praise the Lord. May the Lord who made heaven and earth bless you from Jerusalem. Servants of the Lord, praise. Did you know praise has a reason? Here in the context of the Psalm of the Ascent, the reasons are gratitude and adoration. Gratitude and adoration. Hearts filled with thank you and praise you. For an Israelite slave who has just been delivered from the evil and angry hand of the Pharaoh, I'm betting he didn't talk too much about how they would express gratitude. I bet he talked more about, I just want to tell him thank you. You know, on my birthday, I hope my kids sing happy birthday to me, but I don't care if they sing it with or without music. I don't care if my kids sing happy birthday to me if they do it in the cha-cha-cha version or the traditional version. Hey, here's one more. I don't even care if they sound good. I just really appreciate them singing happy birthday to me. Would we just praise God? That our, that our, our, our praise would be more pressing than our, our preferences. That our purpose would be more pressing than our preferences. Ministers of God, priests of God, which we are if we are in Christ, it is our responsibility to come in here and not sing, but to praise God. Because what God has done for us, we look back at a slave that once was, and God has freed us up. So when we come in here, we're not in here to sing a bunch of songs. We're in here to lift our hearts and our voices to God. Because we used to be slaves, and now we're priests. Psalm 135 is a continuation of this instruction to praise. Verses 6 and 7 covers the adoration part. If you look at the next chapter, it really is talking about how we praise. Again, verses 6 and 7 talks about the adoration that that God has created heaven and earth, the seas and their depths. He raises the clouds. He sends the rain. He releases the wind. He's impressed by God. We praise Him not just for what He can do for us, but for who He is. That's why we come. If you know Him, you praise Him. He's greater. He's greater than us. He's done great things. Verses 8 through 12 cover the gratitude. God delivered them from the evil oppression of the Egyptian. Think about it. Think about their story. Think about your story. He, he led them through the wilderness. He led them through enemy nations. He navigated his people, taking care of his people, to the promised land. When you've been a slave and you've been newly freed, within that fresh understanding of freedom, you'll not consider how to express gratitude and adoration. You'll just desire to express it. Psalm 129, verse 4. Gosh, this is good. But the Lord is good. He has cut me free from the ropes of the ungodly. He's freed us from the penalty of sin, from the power of sin. And so the appropriate response is to praise God. Have you, through the work of Christ and the gift of God, been forgiven? Are you a priest? Praise God. In here and every time we get together. You see, praise has an expression. We just said that praise has a reason. But praise also has an expression. Service is an expression of praise. We'll do this because you are who you are and we are who we're not. And we'll serve you because of it. Singing is an expression. This is a song that we're looking at in Psalm 134. It's lifting our voices and it's an expression of praise. But also, look at what the scripture says in verse 2. Lift up holy hands in prayer and praise the Lord. Now, it's mentioned here in the New Living Translation, lift up your holy hands 
And the thought here is in prayer. And your version may say, lift up hands in the sanctuary. The sanctuary that your version may tell you, and mine says prayer, keep the, mind, keep the thoughts together. This sanctuary, the most holy place within the temple, was also regarded as the place where the presence of God was. The sanctuary in the temple is the place where God was listening and the place where God would hear our prayers. That's why the Bible says to lift up holy hands and pray and to talk to God. But now, think about it now. Then the offerings were all going through the priest. The human priest. They were all going through the priest. They were bringing it to the priest. The priest was making the sacrifices. The priest was bringing the offerings. It was all going through that. Aren't you so glad today that you don't have to let us know when you want to praise God? Can you imagine what that would even look like in 2020? If you want to say, if you want to say thanks unto God, text thank you to 347. Like that's, that's how it would be now if we did that now. But we don't have to do that anymore. We pray with confidence and sometimes we don't even know why. But the biblical explanation for that is because the book of Hebrews tells us that when Jesus came, lived, died, and rose again, he became everything that we needed. He became the object of our faith. He became high priest. He became the sacrifice. Jesus became king. He became our righteousness. Meaning that in order to enter into the presence of God, in order for us to pray, we don't have to go to a room back here. And we don't have to go through a high priest or any priest at all. We just need to have a right and real relationship with Jesus Christ. If we're right with Jesus, you can bow your head in confidence and pray and pray in Jesus' name. And God will hear your prayers. It scares me when people say, oh, we pray all the time. Sometimes when people say we pray all the time, they have no idea who they're praying to or if they can even get through. We just bow our heads and pray all the time. To who? Because the scripture says that the only way that we can have confidence boldly before the throne in God's presence is because Jesus has given us that. So if we don't know Jesus, our prayers are hitting the ceiling and coming back down. And we don't lift holy hands because we got hands. They're not holy, I guarantee you. When the scripture says to lift up holy hands in prayer, our, our hands would not be considered even to be lifted in worship today if it were not for Jesus. He became sin who knew no sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. That's why we can lift our hands up and call Him holy. It's because we know Him. If we have a right and real relationship with Jesus, a sincere heart trusting Him, we can be sure of our prayers. Listen to Hebrews 10, 21 through 22. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts fully trusting Him. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean, and our bodies have been washed with pure water. You see, with this in our pocket, we understand if we want to praise God, we can sing, we can serve, and because of Jesus, we can just simply be still and pray. I want you to hear this next part. So let our prayer times not just be request times. Sometimes our prayer life is down because we don't have as many requests. But that's not all what prayer is. Sometimes we can just bow our head and thank God that we don't have any more prayer requests to give Him. And praise God, not just for what we want Him to do, but just for who He is and, and what we believe that He is. As servants of the Lord, we're holy priests. We offer, we praise. Now, this is the good part. 
When do we do it? When do we offer these spiritual sacrifices? When do we give our our prayers of adoration and gratitude? When do we do it? We do it all the time. Always. Look at verse 1. Oh, praise the Lord, all you servants of the Lord, you who serve at night in the house of the Lord. Listen once again. Oh, praise the Lord, all you servants of the Lord, you who serve at night in the house of the Lord. In Exodus, as the tabernacle was moving and the presence of God was literally there among the Israelites, the priests were to keep the lamps burning all night long, continually. In First Chronicles, the lead Levites lived at the temple. They lived at the temple. And, and they were on duty at all hours. They were spending their time around the house of God. It was their duty to guard it from defilement, to keep it open for ministry. It, where God is present, there is no quitting time. That's what we're going for. Where God is, there's no doors closed, hours shut off. I spent a couple of summers as a young teenager working for my uncle at a cotton farm. And it was good for me because it was hot and it was difficult. (laughs) And it taught me a lot about getting up in the morning and going to work and things like that. It was really good for me. But y'all, seriously, it was really hot. When older folks begin to talk about the days where they used to chop cotton and all that, hey, for real, that's that's serious business, right? And it's hard to do. And so it it taught me those things. And and then I remember one day, and I just worked a couple of summers there because it taught me I want to do something else. So... It's, it's, uh, my dad, in fact, would tell me, you need to get you a job where you work and do something like this so you can learn what you want to do and probably not this and do something else. And so I remember one of those summers, it came a downpour, downpour. And I was like, you know? So I got in the truck. I'm in the truck with my uncle. We head back to the shop. I mean, it's coming a flood. I find a seat in, in the shop, and I sit down and think, I'm just going to ride this thing out because he's making his way to his office. He's about to do some administrative work. This is good for everybody. It's coming down, the rain's on top of the roof, and it's like, I may just take a nap. And all of a sudden, I turn, and here he is with a broom in his hand. I'll never forget it. I'll never forget that, because it was a teaching moment for me. He said, son, he said, hey, when it rains, it doesn't matter, because there's always things to do on the farm. And what he meant by that was just because it rains, he don't stop being a farmer. Are you hearing me? Just because we may be in a moment of temptation, just because we may be in a season of darkness or fear, just because we've left church and now we're at the restaurant and the people are late getting our chips and salsa to us, we don't stop being a Christian because our chips and salsa are late to the table. (laughs) Hey, y'all think I'm kidding. I may instruct the staff to open hand slap you if you leave. this place and go to a restaurant where people are working and we act like we don't have any form or sense because we worship God right here and then we leave and go treat people like dirt I don't know what that's about but it ain't in the scripture we don't stop being Christians when we're on vacation we don't we don't stop being who we are just because it's a difficult time and so what is the scripture teaching us You who serve at night in the house of the Lord. The people were still coming at night. The pilgrims were making their way to Jerusalem. They didn't have a scheduled time like they had sent an email ahead. And, well, they're not here by five. I mean, we're going to have to close up the doors. I mean, they were just coming. And they had to keep the lamps trimmed and burning. They had to keep the ministry open. 
And so hear me with this. The temple is no longer made by human hands. Now God dwells inside the person that is a believer. God dwells on the inside of us, working and living inside of us. And together, He dwells within us as the body of Christ. We are the living stones of God's temple. And because of that, if God dwells in us, we should be available for ministry and on guard against defilement every day and every night. On guard at night. During the times when it's dark, during the times when fear is there, during the times when there's temptation to relax, we've got to stand guard. And be prepared to serve at night. If pilgrims arrive late, if we're not on hand for ministry, what message do we send to the world looking for it? Well, we'd love to help you, but it's after five. Again, bless your heart, it's after five. You can come back at nine when we're open. You see, I'm not saying that we do that. I'm saying sometimes we treat it that way. We're only available for ministry at these times. I'm not lobbying for church all night. I'm reminding us that ministry does not stop. We did Christmas house at Lindsay Lane East, and y'all have to forgive me. I, I give references within my context. It's where I've been the last six years, so automatically God's going to bring up examples. We didn't do everything right there. We did some things good there, but it's just the church, just like any other. But we did Christmas house there. We tried to provide Christmas gifts for kids at Christmas times in and around our community, and we would bring them in, and we worked through the school counselors to do that. And we would bring those families in, and we one by one would share the gospel with them. We had some folks last year that were saved, baptized, some that are still there now. And we did that. But on the forms that we send out to the, to the schools, we put on those forms, hey, if, if, uh, th- this is the date for the form to be turned in. And this is the deadline because we need to get our people on it, and we need to get our people working on it. So this is the deadline. And then they would come back and say, well, listen, we got a couple more forms that came in. Can you take these now? We know it's after the deadline. And you know what we told them? Of course. Of course we will. Well, yeah, but they're past the deadline. But yeah, they need the gospel. So, hey, I know the writing on the form is there so we can hurry all up. But we're not closed just because of what the form says. Because the urgency of our heart is to help people that need God. And there's no clock on that. Brittany and I have had the opportunity to minister to people that would come over at 1130 at night and our kids in the bed. Well, gosh, shouldn't they come back in the morning? Not if it's pressing, no. We've got to make ourselves available. But listen, I'm a preacher, yes, but we're all holy priests. And if we are available to serve God, we can't put a time limit on that. The blessing, this is the takeaway. We're finally to the end. Hang with me. A lot to say in three verses. The blessing follows the business. You see, we come, we come in here acting like we want the blessing before the business. God, we come and we just want you to bless us, God. We don't even know what we're asking for. God, would you bless us? Again, God is a stewardship God. Why would he give you anything more to be a steward with when you hadn't done it to begin with? God has laid out for us in Psalm 134. He wants us to serve people, to serve his church. He wants a sacrifice of praise. He wants to offer ourselves unto people. And when we don't do that, we have the gall to ask for more blessings. We spent time at Lindsay Lane East defining what that word meant. Do you know what blessing, if you take it all into account from Genesis to Revelation, blessing is God's purposeful provision or position. 
God's purposeful provision or position. I would have a hard time buying that God would bless you if you don't know what to do with it. So if we're praying for God to bless us, we may need to align ourselves with the business as a priest before we start asking for the blessing. Line up with what God would have for you, then he will give you what he would give you so that you can do with what you have for his glory and for the good of man. Let's close this out. What have we talked about today? Giving, gathering, that's God's idea. I mean, man, I, I don't understand people that, that come in and say, like, every time we go to that church, we talk about giving. Well, maybe you need it. Maybe you're so clenched fist with everything you've got, you're going to die with a clenched fist, and you won't have help anybody by the time you go out of here. So, yeah, giving's in the Scripture. This is why we talk about it, and especially today when we have an opportunity to bless another congregation. I'm a living, breathing example of your help. People here have poured into me over the years. You gave money to Lindsay Lane East so that we could do things that other churches wouldn't even dream about. It was because you gave. And now Lindsay Lane North is in the same position. Brother Dusty cast vision earlier for Lindsay Lane West. We don't even have Lindsay Lane West. (laughs) Y'all knew what he meant. I like it. But God, God has always been about the giving. And he's always been about the gathering. It gives us a place to worship God and an opportunity to trust God. Secondly... We're holy priests. We offer spiritual sacrifices. We praise the Lord. Listen, have you been saved? Are you right with God? Do you need God? Do you want to know what position you're in? Why not just make that decision today? If God's working on your heart and mind to be saved and to be baptized, to join the church, whatever God is leading to you to as far as the next steps, why don't you just take the next steps? You can find us right here at the altar and tell us I need to be saved. You can catch any pastor on the way out. You can send an email to us and let us know you want to meet to talk. We're here to help you with that. And finally, I want to encourage us all to stand ready to help and on guard for defilement every day and night. Let's stand to our feet. Lord, we thank you. As we open up your altar... as we make a way for more of us to get help, Lord, we thank you that you make help available. God, you're offering to change our position from a slave to a priest. And God, if that doesn't make sense in our heart, it's because we know we don't deserve it. So Lord, that we would open up our lives to you to lead us, to save us, to change us. Lord, would you put it on our hearts how much to give? Would you show us where to work in this church? Father, may may we be the church that you have in mind, the church that we honor your values. Lord, I pray that we would not forsake the getting together and that we tune our hearts to you when it comes to giving. Lord, that we would serve you. And God, we praise you. We adore you for who you are. And we thank you for what you've done. And we pray that you continue to do that. Lord God, bless this time of invitation now, Lord. 
We don't want to make it into anything that we can conjure up. Apart from you, we can do nothing. So, Lord, if you're working on our heart, very simply, very seriously, I pray that anyone where you're working on their heart and mind to take a next step of obedience, that we just do it. That we just do it. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. This altar is open for you. People here to help you. Come and pray. Amazing grace. How sweet.